You know, it's been now several years since I first got my driver's license. And I remember one of the things I was looking forward to more than anything in getting my own car with my own car stereo and car radio was the ability to choose the, whatever I wanted to play on the car radio. I wanted to be able to really just listen to my favorite radio station or my favorite CDs or favorite MP3s. There was really just this sense of deep freedom when I had the ability to do that. You know, and when I was a late teen and early 20s, I would be in my car just blasting music at the highest level possible. And all kinds of music, really. I was always a music fanatic. I loved uh, everything from all different types of genres and all different types of styles. So it was something that I always looked forward to in my commutes to be able to just blast music, listen to it, and get that sense of freedom when I'm just driving in my car playing whatever I want. But really for me, probably in the last few years, that has really changed. Because now I don't get to pick what gets played on my car radio anymore. Now, after having children, really, what the only thing that gets played in my car radio now is nursery rhymes. <laughs> so I'm familiar with all of them. You know, I know uh, Father Abraham. I know, you know, us wheels on the bus, all 50 different versions of them. So really, I was having dinner with a, a couple of the young people here at church uh, last week, and they couldn't believe that, no, I don't listen to the music I like in my own car anymore. I just, the only three things that play in my car are sermons, news, and nursery rhymes. That's all. And really, probably the nursery rhyme that gets played the most on repeat over and over again is the one that really uh, goes through the first 10 numbers. Some of you maybe know this one. It's the one that says, one, two, buckle my shoe, three, four, open the door, five, six, pick up sticks, seven, eight, I'm feeling great, nine, 10, do it again. <laughs> and then after that, my two children just say, again. And it goes on again and again and again, over and over. Now, I know that today there have been many rhymes and nursery rhymes that have changed and have even modernized. But one rhyme that is still around today, that was around when I was a kid and was even around when my parents were children and the generation before them, was the rhyme that is said throughout playgrounds around our country today. And that is the rhyme that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, we learned that one when we were children. But then as adults, we get an opportunity to really reflect on that. Is that really true? Is that true or false? That sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can never hurt us. In fact, this nursery rhyme is so ingrained in us in childhood that even it becomes a lie that we adopt as adults. James, in this passage, is actually teaching about the wisdom from above and is reminding us of the fact that words matter. Words have the power to create new worlds. 
In fact, here at Imago Church, this is a young church that's only been around having Sunday morning worship services for just about a year. But really, this whole church, this whole vision, this whole mission of being a gospel-centered multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships, that was all a vision and dream that began with words. In the name of Jesus, we spoke this new reality into existence. Words have the power to create new realities. And in fact, the Bible begins with a new world being created by words. The book of Genesis tells us that God spoke creation into existence. And it is this creation which introduces us to God. In fact, one of the very first things that we know about the God that we worship are His words. The very first words that He spoke Words can be used to reflect God's glory, to build each other up. But what does James say here? Words can also be used to tear each other down. Now, in, in my life, I've seen that that nursery rhyme is false because I've seen the power of words. I've seen that words have the power to start new chapters in people's lives. Words like, I do. I've seen words end chapters in people's lives. Words like, I'm done. Words have the power to start wars. And words have the power to bring peace. James is right. Words matter. And that's just one of the major lies that we give into in our culture this lie that tells us that we picked up as kids that sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But in fact, there are other lies out there that we still give into. There's this TED Talk from one of my favorite current cultural analysts. This is writer. His name's David Brooks. And he talks about the five lies that our culture tells and that we believe. The first lie that he talks about is he says, that career success is what makes life fulfilling. When the truth is that success may spare you from the shame that you might experience from failure, but career success alone does not provide positive peace or fulfillment. And the second lie that he talks about is the lie that we tell ourselves that I can make myself happy. This is the lie of self-sufficiency. The lie that I got this, I can do this, this happiness is my own individual accomplishment. But the reality is, and I've seen this and maybe you've had a chance to see this too, people looking back in their lives, at the end of their lives, from their deathbed, they tell us that happiness is not found in that, happiness is found in real loving relationships, in connections with other people and going deeper and in fact, the prophet Micah in chapter 5, verse 13, he reminds us of this, that we're not called to worship our own self-sufficiency. In Micah 5, 13, he says, And you shall bow down no more to the work of your hands. And the third lie that we give into is the lie, the lie that freedom means doing what I want when I want. Freedom 
is uh, for that, that false idea of freedom is when we always start looking for the next thing. I have to look for the next big thing. And this lie encourages people to believe that, that we need to be unattached and uncommitted, to completely stay on the move, to always keep my options open. But in fact, the reality is that the people who live the fullest and wisest lives are the people that learn to commit, to let their yes be yes and their no be no. The, the wise person does not simply say, what's the next cool thing that I can do or that I can get up to? But instead they ask, what is my responsibility here? How is God calling me to go deeper to commit. And the fourth lie is this lie in the culture that says that we all get to find our own truth. And that is not true because we know that truth is bigger than just any one individual. It's bigger than me just doing me and my thing. Truth is bigger than any one of us. And in fact, it's oftentimes truth that finds us, not us that find truth. And then finally, the fifth lie in the culture that we give into is that rich and successful people are worth more than poorer and less successful people. And that's the false promise of I am what I do and that I am what I accomplish. And it's this false idea that thinks that I can earn my dignity by attaching myself to these expensive brands instead of knowing that I have my dignity because my identity is in the image of God. Each one of us has been created in the image of God for our purpose, our purpose in the image of Christ. In fact, that's what imago means. Imago means we're cre created in the image of God. And just the final comment that David Brooks says in his article on this, he says, no wonder it's so hard to be a young adult today. And no wonder that our society is so fragmented because we've taken the lies of hyper-individualism and we've made them the unspoken assumptions that govern how we live and that mark our expectations of each other. Then an additional lie that the culture tells us is the one that we're talking about today. That sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can never hurt us. The lie that words have no impact is wrong. That's false. Because the reality is that words really matter. And James here in this passage, he develops Jesus' own teaching on the tongue and on the use of words and in the wisdom of words. He says that there is power in words. He says it doesn't make sense to with the same mouth we unleash pain upon our sister or brother and then we go on to praise God. When we do that, that is not aligned with the heart of God. That is not aligned with the will of God. That is not spreading the shalom, the peace of God to God's people. When we judge one another and then we go behind each other's backs and talk badly about another, one another, that's not aligned with the heart of God. James is calling foul and saying, nope, that doesn't work here. That doesn't work with the people of God. 
And in fact, just to be very clear, that's not how we function here at Imago Church. Así no funcionamos aquí en Iglesia Imago. Here at Imago Church, we go the extra mile. We go the extra mile in honoring one another. The extra mile in respecting one another. And the extra mile in loving one another. You know, there was this uh, example some years ago, before I was at Imago Church, ministering in another church. And at one point, I saw these two men, and they were laughing together, just having a great time. And I kid you not, as I was leaving, one of those men that was laughing actually pulled me aside after the other one had left. And he did this very strange thing. We went into a room, he closed the door, and he just said, you know what, Pastor Carlos, I have to give you a warning about that guy that I was laughing with. Don't trust him. And you know, I, I simply listened to what he said, but one thing that he didn't know is that my first thought in hearing those words were not, oh, thank you for sharing that valuable information. No, my first words were, thank you, but really you're warning me about yourself, not about that person. You're telling me that you can laugh with someone and then go behind them and tell them something different to me. And friends, that is not how we function here at Imago Church. If you have an issue, if we have an issue, if I ha any of us has an issue with a person, we must go to them directly. And in fact, that's what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 18. In 1815, it says the following. Again, remember, James is building, building on the teachings of Jesus. And you can see it right behind me. It says this, beginning in verse 18. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So we see here that the word of God actually gives us a process to be able to restore relationships. At Imago Church, we do not tolerate, just to be abundantly clear with everyone here, at Imago Church, we do not tolerate gossip, slander, racist or prejudiced, hate-filled speech. That will not be tolerated in any way, shape, or form. Because how we talk about people That opens up a clear window to our hearts and to our core values because our words tell the real truth about our character. Nuestras palabras demuestran nuestro carácter. And that's why wisdom begins from the inside out. We see that James has been talking about not just the externals, but what's in our heart and what's in our mind. That wisdom begins with how we think Because how we think leads to how we speak and our words and our words lead to our actions and our actions lead to our character and our character is who we are. That's our life. James, as we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, 
really does serve as a new book of Proverbs for the New Testament. And we see that in the book of Proverbs, this was a very common teaching about the wisdom of guarding our words and our mouth and our tongue. It says this in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, remember, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.4 then tells us the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Our words have power. And if you haven't realized it already, receive that invitation today. Wisdom invites us to realize that our words have power and that our words have consequences. You know, I think about a news story that I was following several years ago back in 2013, and it was a news story about uh, a hard lesson that a young person had to learn, learning this, that words have consequences. It was a story about a young woman by the name of Jasmine, and Jasmine was in a court session in the state of Florida, and she was being sentenced by a judge, and that judge was actually in a pretty good mood that day. He was trying to get her some leniency, and he was trying to figure out how much she had in assets in order to be able to set the fine at something low, maybe $100 or so. But in the court session, and I'm going to read to us exactly what happened there. In the court session, Jasmine, maybe because of fear or immaturity or who knows what, she couldn't stop laughing during the whole time that the judge was speaking to her. So she's laughing as the judge is asking some, uh, some important questions. And what we see here in this, in this dialogue is that what was first going to be a small fine of maybe $100 for a misdemeanor or a dumb mistake made by a young person, that ended up escalating because of the power of words. It escalates completely because of the impact and the consequences of words. So this is their exact conversation. They're in the courtroom, the judge and Jasmine. So the judge, as he sees Jasmine laughing right in front of him, he just says, excuse me, this is not a club. Please speak seriously when you're being addressed by the court. Jasmine responds, still laughing and smirking and says, you just made me laugh, I apologize. The judge says, yeah, it's all right. So how much are your total assets and property worth? Jasmine responds, still smiling, still laughing, and in a sarcastic tone says, well, it's worth a whole lot of money. The judge then responds and says, ma'am, have you taken any intoxicating substances in the last 24 hours? Jasmine simply laughs. <laughs> the judge responds and says, okay, well, bail is now set at $5,000. You may go. Bye-bye. Jasmine, while rolling her eyes, simply says once again, while laughing, just the words, adios. And then as she's walking away, the judge simply says, excuse me, come back here, young lady. Bail is now set at $10,000. Jasmine gasps with her mouth completely dropped in shock and yells out loud and says, are you serious? The judge says, yes, I am serious. Adios. 
Jasmine then uses a curse word and then yells at the top of her lungs, No way! The judge says as she's walking away, Come back again. Jasmine, in one word, simply says, What's up? The judge then responds and says, Did you just use a curse word toward me in the court? Jasmine says again with sarcasm, Well, actually, yes, sir, I did. The judge says, I find you in direct criminal contempt of the court, and I sentence you to 30 days in jail plus a $10,000 fine for the original offense. Now, you can believe that Jasmine didn't say a word after that. You know, and for all of our, our younger people, or maybe people that haven't experienced some of the serious of life, of a seriousness of life at those levels, this is a true story. And it is a crime to be offensive to a judge. You will get a larger fine, and you could get a jail sentence, just so we're all clear on that. Words matter. Jasmine learned that the hard way, she learned that what could have been a leniency, it could have been community service, that ended up costing her 30 days in jail and a $10,000 fine. The book of James reminds us that the person walking in godly wisdom must play, pay close attention to their words because words have the power to build up and the power to destroy. He says this in verses 5 and 6 in uh, James chapter 3, 5 and 6. He says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Boast, consider that what, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it is itself on fire by hell. And it is itself set on fire by hell. So just as the tongue has the power to bless the tongue and our words also have great power to destroy. Just like a spark of fire can set an entire forest ablaze, some of us here have been keeping up with the news stories on the fires out in the Amazon forest. Or I had a friend who just told me there was a fire down in Malibu and these wildfires we read about in, the, in our state of California. But remember that all of those fires begin with a spark. And in the same way, a grudge and a conflict and a hatred or, or, or challenge, that can be sparked by a single word. James goes on to say in verses 7 to 8, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. The tongue itself is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So I, by my own power, cannot tame my own words. I cannot control my own tongue. I am indeed powerless over the tongue. It is only through surrender and trust in Jesus Christ that the tongue can be tamed. Because our words come from our hearts and from our minds. So we need new hearts and new minds in order to speak new words, new words that give life. And we see the example of God 
that God uses words to build up and to create. So when we abide in Christ and when we exchange our old hearts for new hearts, we can go ahead and do the same. And we see that James goes on here in verses 9 to 10. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We can curse others who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. With our words we can bless God. And with our words we can bless or we can curse and tear down other people created in the image of God. Those people around us that reflect the imago of God. You know what James is saying here about the difference in the way that God invites us to use our words with wisdom. That is very different than the way that the world or the powers that be, or the the principalities of this world use words. You know, I think of a good friend of mine, his name's Frank Marsh, and he decided to, for some reason, when I was in my early 20s, he just took me under his wing. And he was retired already, but he was a uh, former executive for Hewlett Packard. And he decided to just mentor me and teach me some of the life lessons that he learned over his career. And one thing that he told me was this, and I'll never forget it when I was in my early 20s. He just said, Carlos, remember that the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world are in many ways complete opposites. And in fact, this is the same when it comes to, the, to God, to the way that God uses words and the way that the powers and the principalities of this world use words. We see how God first uses words in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. That's where we first read about the heart and the character of God. It says this in uh, Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said... Let there be light. So what do we see here? God saw chaos. God saw disorder. God saw disunity. And He used His words to bring order, to bring peace, and to say, let there be light. To shine goodness in a destructive situation. And similarly, friends, when we align ourselves with the heart of God, our words can be a source of light. Our words can shine in the midst of chaos and disorder. So when we receive this wisdom from above, we can see a conflict or a challenge in front of us. And rather than giving in to the same pattern and continuing the chaos and the confusion and the conflict, we can imitate our living God. And we can use our words to bless. And we can say, let there be light. Let there be light on this situation. Let there be light over the family conflict that has escalated for years because of words that have been used irresponsibly. Let there be light on my attitude refusing to apologize or to use words to heal deep wounds. Let there be light in the lies that our culture tells us. 
And let there be light that we may use words lovingly and responsibly to reflect the wisdom of God, the wisdom from above. That's the invitation of God. In conclusion here, we see that James describes in this passage what exactly wisdom is like. So the next time, and many of us have probably asked this question, Lord, give me wisdom. What is wisdom? Hemos preguntado, ¿qué es la sabiduría de Dios? We can look to the scriptures. We can look to James chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, and it will show you exactly what wisdom is. The book of James describes to us exactly what godly wisdom is and how to live it out and how to identify it and how to even see it in other people. In the same way that we see the Apostle Paul give a description of authentic love in 1 Corinthians 13, James describes authentic, godly wisdom. In chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, James tells us this just to be abundantly clear. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven or the wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in, right, who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So just like that same paradox of love being first and foremost, when we see with a description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, it doesn't say love is first beautiful or lovely, no, it says love is patient. And in the same way with wisdom, the wisdom of God is not just smart. It's not just informed. But the wisdom of God is first pure. That means that wisdom begins with honesty, with sincerity, with being sober-minded. The wisdom of God is peaceable and gentle. The wise person, according to James, is a peacemaker. And just to be clear, there is a huge difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper is someone who sees disorder and conflict and chaos and tries to ignore it or pretend like it's not there in order to just keep peace, doing whatever it takes to avoid hard conversations. But that's what it means to be passive-aggressive. Maybe some of us have experienced that before or have done that before. But just to be clear, just being a peacekeeper, to avoid hard conversations, to be passive-aggressive, that is not godly wisdom. But on the other hand, a peacemaker is someone who aligns themselves with the God who saw disorder and conflict and chaos and uses His words to say, let there be light. Let there be order. Let there be peace. A peacemaker is willing to have hard conversations in order to attain everlasting peace and real relationship and real restoration with that other person. James says that the wise person is a peacemaker. And in fact, when James is talking about that, he's actually echoing the words of his half-brother, our Lord Jesus Christ, who says in Matthew 5, verse 9, in his Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, he says this, our Lord Jesus says, Blessed are 
the peacemakers, for they will be the children of God. Notice that Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, popular are the the peacemakers, or hip are the peacemakers, or cool or trendy. He doesn't say that because things that are popular, hip, cool, or trendy, all of those things change every single day. What was hip before is not anymore. But the person that seeks wisdom from above walks and lives out the eternal fruits of godly wisdom. Not just what's in for this year and out next year. And the eternal fruits of godly wisdom are what James talks about here. A wisdom that is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. None of us can do this alone. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the wisdom of God, that we can live by this wisdom from above. Friends, brothers, sisters, may we ask and seek God's wisdom. And here's the beautiful thing. When we ask and seek His wisdom, He will give it to us. He delights in pouring down His wisdom. He will give it to you. James says that the wise person is a peacemaker. And Jesus says... Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers. For it says here, Blessed are the peacemakers, calling all peacemakers, for they will be the children of God. Let's pray together. Almost out of Lord, we thank you. And we give you praise. Te damos gracias, Dios Santo, por tu palabra. We thank you, Lord, that wisdom doesn't just come from us and from our own instincts, but it comes from above. It comes from you, Lord. And today, that's what we're doing, Lord. We have open hands. We have open minds. We have open hearts. And we're praying that this morning, you would draw us close to you, that you would build us up in your wisdom. Danos tu sabiduría, Dios Santo. As many of us are starting new chapters and ending old chapters, Lord, that's our prayer today. Not just for stuff, not just for giving in to the lies, God, but help us to align ourselves with you with your heart, with your mind, with your precious wisdom. A wisdom, as your scripture says, that is more precious than jewels, more precious than gold. It's something, Lord, that is not just in fashion, God, or in trend, but it is something that gives life everlasting. And Lord, we just pray, God, that today, Lord, you would draw us close to you, And for those of us taking our first steps in faith, may this be an opportunity to do that, to take that step with Jesus and say, Lord, 
I trust you. I acknowledge that I can't do life on my own. And Lord God, we just pray that you would continuously, God, be the one to be in control. And Lord, we just uh, pray, God Almighty, that you would set us free, God, from some of these lies that we give into. Some that we're aware of, others that we're not. And God, today we remember that beautiful passage in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 and 10, where you come before King Solomon, Lord, one of the wisest kings, and you asked him, Lord, you appeared to him and said to him, ask what I shall give you. And the response was, Lord, give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. And in, that, in, the, in the same way, in the same morning, we acknowledge your presence here with us and that you're asking us the same thing. Ask what I shall give you. And Lord, today our response is this. Give us, Lord, give us now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. Give us wisdom, give us truth, and give us the courage to live that out in obedience, God. We love you, Lord, and we're tired of just reflecting, God, these, these, these things that don't hold up, Lord, these lies that don't hold up. And we want to reflect you, God, and your eternal truth, and your wonderful character, and your wisdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.